Hello and welcome to Nex Talks. I'm Nex, and this is where I talk. Today I'm going to be talking about letting go, and this is actually part two of a previous episode that I did about letting go, but there was more I wanted to say about this, and it's been on my mind and my heart for the last few weeks since that episode, so I wanted to share more information, more ideas, more thoughts with you about the idea of letting go, and what we call in yoga, aparigraha, and the practice of non-attachment. I believe it's in Buddhism where they say that attachment is the root of all suffering, and I think that there's a lot of truth behind that, and there's a lot more that we can dive into that we weren't able to get to on the previous episode. So I listened to the other episode back, and I have some things that I kind of glossed over that I want to dig into a little bit deeper, and then there's new things that I want to address as well. So one of these things is we went through a very short little meditation at the end of that episode, and we practiced non-attachment and letting go of thoughts, feelings, really anything that comes up during a meditation process. And we used a visualization that involved sailboats and attaching each of these things that comes up in the mind during a meditation. And just imagine kind of loading it onto a sailboat and letting it float on by, letting it sail by and just noticing it, but working on letting it go, letting it pass by. Oftentimes I find when people are meditating, they feel like, oh, I had this really great insight or I remembered something or thought of something and I really want to write it down. And you can kind of cut off your meditative process by doing that. So I always suggest just letting it go. Just stay with your meditation, allow things to come and go throughout the process. And I promise you really deep, profound insights, great creative ideas, you know, the things that really light up during a meditation, you're going to remember them in a few minutes when the meditation is over and then you can take action on them. If you have to, keep a journal right next to you so that you don't have to get up and go do something every time this happens in your meditation, but you can kind of just gently open the eyes, grab your journal or your notebook and just jot down whatever idea you had and then get back into your meditation if you have to. But if you can avoid that, I think you're going to experience deeper practice in your meditation as well. So one other thing that we talked about is the Buddhist idea of infusing dharma and spiritual practice and even meditative type practice into your daily life and what that can look like. So in the previous episode, we talked about different ways to explore this as we go through cleaning and purging our items. In particular, we talked about Marie Kondo's method of what she calls Mari, or the life-changing magic of tidying up, which is not only a book, but also a Netflix series. She's an expert tidier. Basically, she helps people with this very thing. And she uses a gratitude practice, which is a great meditation, but it's also a great way to appreciate your items and then let them go. It can make it a little bit easier to let go after you've expressed gratitude for them. But I really, really want to emphasize the point of having this energy with this practice because I think there's a lot of misunderstandings and misconceptions around meditation and what that kind of energy is. Because yes, it is very calm. It is very focused. This is the most common experience of meditation is a calming of energy, a grounding, a centering energies that are extremely valuable in maintaining perspective and realizing and remembering that everything is temporary, nothing truly belongs to us, and the more attached we are to our possessions or our relationships, 
the more likely we are to find ourselves suffering and struggling around those things. The firmer we cling on to something, the further it wants to pull away from us. It's like the concept of everything has an equal and opposite reaction. Well, this, this is the same idea here. The more we squeeze onto something and latch onto it, the more it wants to breathe, the more it wants its space from us. And this is very relevant to relationships, and we're going to talk about attachment styles in a moment. But I wanted to talk about how even though meditative energy is calm, it's centered, it's grounded, it's also extremely powerful. It's one of the most powerful energies in the world. If you can keep your calm, if you can keep your cool, if you can stay grounded, stay centered, and stay focused, you're going to have better results in all aspects of your life. And it's okay to have feelings and to have chaos and to not always be perfectly calm and centered and grounded, but meditation is going to help you with those things to keep balance, and it's also going to be a hugely powerful tool to help you with this letting go, whether it's about possessions, which I think we spent more time on last time. We briefly touched on relationships, but I do want to dive in now to attachment styles, learning what your attachment style is. So we can connect more with how this may relate to relationships. And I'm excited about this because not only is it a subject that I'm passionate about, but I think a lot of people don't know about it. I think a lot of people don't know what their attachment style is, nor do they even know what an attachment style is. So let's take some time to explore this briefly. I do have a full book review about this on my YouTube channel if you want to learn really the nitty gritty, all the details about this from a book that I read called Attached. But the overall summary is that there's three main attachment styles. The first is secure attachment style. The second is anxious attachment style. And the third is avoidant attachment style. So there are tests that you can take to determine what your attachment style is if you're not sure, but as I explain it, you may be able to tell what elements you have of each and how strong they are for you. So let's start with secure attachment. This is the type of attachment that actually most of the population demonstrate. And this has to do with being confident about what you bring to the table, being clear about what your expectations and boundaries are in relationships, and being comfortable with relationships coming and going, and not being overly attached or avoidant to the relationships. This is the ideal attachment style for a partner. This is going to be the easiest person to be in a relationship with, most likely. Second, we have anxious attachment styles. And this is the stereotypically clingy type of attachment style. People with anxious attachment styles often obtain a lot of their own validation and worth as a person based on their relationships. So they also tend to be a little bit more needy in their relationships where they may need more attention, more time, more reassurance. That's the main piece here. They're going to need to be reassured much more often than any other relationship type. And they're hypersensitive to perceiving things as threats to their relationships. So something that may seem silly or trivial to them might seem like a huge red flag, a huge problem to their relationship. And they react to 
fights or any threat to their relationship by pulling in closer to their person. They crave that reassurance, and depending on their love languages, they're going to need a lot more of whatever their love language is in order to get them back to feeling calm and centered and grounded and being able to be in a relationship where they're able to respect their partner's boundaries and space needs as well. Finally, there is the avoidant attachment style. Oftentimes, these people are viewed as people with maybe commitment issues, and they react to problems with relationships usually by taking space and taking time away from the relationship. So people with avoidant attachment styles need a lot more space. They also tend to be single much more frequently than other attachment styles because they avoid getting really close or attached or intimate with people. And most of these things with attachment styles are going to tie back into how you were raised and the relationship that you had with your caregivers growing up. This is important to know because... When you are single and you're looking at your options for dating, you are going to come across a lot more avoidant attachment style individuals than you would in a regular representative sample of the population. Because the thing with people with secure attachment styles is that they end up getting into relationships quite easily and they tend to stay in those relationships much longer than the other attachment styles because, like I said, they're easier to be in relationship with. They're better mates, they're better partners generally. And don't worry, even if your attachment style is anxious or avoidant, you can still be a great partner to someone. It's just important to understand what your tendencies are so that you can work to change them to be more healthy and balanced and grounded in reality, but you can also heal some of your childhood trauma and you can communicate these things with your partner so that they know, especially for anxious attachment style individuals, it's important for them to know that it's not about them, that you're not rejecting them and there's nothing wrong with the relationship just because you need a little bit more space and maybe you're not as responsive, you know, maybe you're not texting all the live long day, but then for people with an anxious attachment styles, they can verbalize their needs for reassurance and for maybe regular check-ins. You know, each it's important for people in relationships to be able to communicate what their expectations and what their boundaries are, because even though this is going to come more naturally to people with secure attachment styles, Everyone can work on being a better partner, and everyone can work on becoming more self-aware and better communicators, which is going to make you better in relationships across the board. So you can imagine how difficult it can be for someone with an anxious attachment style to be in a relationship with someone with an avoidant attachment style, because their needs in conflict are opposite from each other. So pretty much anyone can be in a relationship with a securely attached person, but it is especially important to know if you are anxious or if you are avoidant, because there are certain types of people that you're just not going to mesh well with in relationships, especially romantic relationships. This is really talking about romantic partnerships, not necessarily friendships, although this is going to play some role with that as well. It's going to be much more heightened and much more amplified in a love relationship. Just like everything, all the emotions are enhanced with love. <laughs> love is like the 
quartz of crystals, but with emotions. <laughs> it amplifies everything. So figure out what your attachment style is so that you can be the best partner you can be. If you find out that you are in the anxious attachment style category, this whole concept of letting go is going to be harder for you. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but not everyone is dealt the same hand and not everyone has the same advantages, which is part of the beauty of life. But it's hard when you come face to face with something that's going to give you an extra challenge. So I want to acknowledge you for that and let you know that, yeah, it is harder for you. If it feels harder, that's because it is, because you get so attached to things and to people that it's much more difficult for you to let them go when the time comes that you should let them go. So I want to share with you an affirmation that I think you might find helpful. Find some space, get relaxed, take a deep breath in and out. Now say, I call all of my energy and all of my power back to me. I call all of my energy and all of my power back to me. Use this affirmation anytime you're feeling overly attached to someone or to something or some place or some experience or some outcome. I call all of my energy and all of my power back to me. This can be a useful tool for anyone. Reflect on all of the energy that you've exchanged with other people. Reflect on the power that you've given other people or things or experiences. And now call that energy back. Call that power back to you. Even this simple visualization and affirmation practice can help you to become more aware of the energy and power exchanges in your relationships. And it can also give you that feeling that you are starting over. You are starting fresh. You have all of your energy, you have all of your power, it's in you, and you're going to feel more energized and more powerful when you do this. And this is going to give you the energy and the power that you need to start practicing non-attachment and letting go. Now, the way this unfolds for everyone is going to be different. So be creative with this. It's not a rigid, structured step one, step two, step three. Some of you are going to find that by cleaning your space and your environment and purging your belongings, that's going to give you this great energy and power to start doing the same things with your body, with your mind, with your relationships. Some of you are going to find letting go of a toxic relationship is the first thing that you need to do to get that energy and that power back so that you have that energy and power for letting go of your belongings. And everywhere in between and outside of the examples that I've given. So just try it. Try letting go of something. Try letting go of someone. And even if you don't have any toxic relationships, kudos to you for that. <laughs> and you don't have to let go of any person. Just imagine what it would be like if they did go. Because everyone will leave this earth eventually. And some people that we're in relationships with are going to leave before we do. So even if it's a beautiful, healthy, balanced relationship, that relationship will not last forever. So practice awareness of non-attachment and of letting go by reminding yourself that everything is temporary. 
And this can help you to really cherish and value the moments that you do have in the here and now. Who cares if a relationship lasts forever? Enjoy it while it's here. It is so much better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. I strongly and firmly believe in that quote, and I think most people do as well. Enjoy it while it's here. Don't worry about what the future holds. The future will worry about itself. I think it's Jesus who says in the Bible, let tomorrow worry about itself. Today has enough worries for you to deal with. (laughs) Something along those lines. And I think that's very true as well. However, I know it's not as simple as just saying, don't worry about it. Let it go. Right? We can pay lip service to this all the live long day, but the actual action of it, the actual doing, the actual mindset shift around these things can be extremely difficult. For some people, it can even be debilitating. The idea of hoarding and having such attachment to things that you can't let go of just about anything is actually now classified as a form of OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. So there are professionals, there are experts out there who can help you with this. There is so much information available online, but it might help you to actually bring a professional into your home to help you. It can help you to have a therapist, someone who specializes in these types of challenges that you may be dealing with, so that you don't have to face it on your own. You don't have to listen to a podcast from some neurotypical person like myself who says, oh, let it go. Don't worry about it. And I don't, I certainly don't want to make you feel worse about yourself when some of this may be much deeper and may require much further treatment than simple meditations. So I just wanted to make sure that I let everyone know that because some people may not realize that they're struggling with some form of OCD and they might blame themselves and feel guilty and compare themselves to people who are neurotypical. But I want to strongly encourage you not to do that and to seek the help that is going to benefit you and really can change your life. Because this is not about just making your house look nice. This is not about impressing someone else or proving that you can do it to anyone else. This is about doing this for you. I promise you are worth it. Okay, now I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some other forms of letting go and detachment. One of which is detachment from the result. This is huge for parents, for mentors, and really for anyone with any goals. Let's put it that way. I was going to say people who are type A, but really anyone who wants anything. (laughs) So it's relevant for everyone, especially in certain contexts. This is about letting go of your attachment to the outcome. Of course, we want things to go a certain way, but if we're overly attached to the results, that means that when we're faced with failure or a loss or unexpected hiccups or changes in our trajectory, we may not handle it well because we are so attached to our vision and to the way that we think things should go and the way that we want things to go. And this can cause us to be blind to amazing opportunities to make a big shift and to make a change and to go down a different path and be open to other outcomes. This can also be a big block for working with other people and collaborating and being cooperative and even being in relationships with people because you're so attached to what you want to happen, 
you may just be barreling over other people and their ideas, and they might even want bigger, better outcomes than you want. But if they're different from yours, you may be so attached to yours being the right way and the way that you can actually damage your relationships with other people from this as well. The reason I mentioned mentors and teachers is because many of us who are passionate about helping other people and teaching other people, we get attached to their outcomes as if they were our own. We can put way too much pressure on our students, our mentees, even our friends that we give advice to when we become too attached to the results. We have to be able to give advice, give information, give tips, and then let people do what they want with that information and not push them to have the outcome that we want for them. We have to trust people to want what's best for themselves. Trust others to know what is best for themselves. Even if you think you know what's best, trust other people, even your own children. Because what we want for someone else is nowhere near as important as what they want for themselves. So a great way to practice this is through listening. Quiet down, close your mouth, (laughs) open up your ears, listen to what they're saying, listen to what they want, and try to facilitate their goals and their desired outcomes to the best of your ability, and then let it go. Whatever happens, happens. You cannot be held responsible for what someone else does. Even if you give someone a great idea and they run with it and they have these amazing outcomes that you are hoping for for them, you can only take so much credit for that because they're the ones who did it. They're the ones who put the action in or don't put the action in. And if you can detach yourself from the results, you're going to be a better parent, you're going to be a better teacher, you're going to be a better friend, a better partner, etc. Now let's talk about letting go when it comes to our bodies. Great ways to do this is through our fuel, aka our food and what we put into our bodies, as well as how we move it. These are great ways to let go of unhealthy habits, let go of unhealthy toxins, even letting go of fat and letting go of things physically from our bodies. But there's also something much deeper here in terms of letting go and your body. There's a book that comes highly recommended by one of my friends who is a therapist, and it's called The Body Keeps the Score. And this book is about how trauma is stored in the physical body. And there are things like somatic therapy and physical expression, even exercise itself, yoga, many different things that can help to release trauma from the body. This is an area I am not well versed in yet, so I'll have a lot more information for you after I read that book. I'm really excited to learn about it, but you don't have to wait for me. You can get the book and read it yourself. You can start looking up ideas online about how the body stores trauma. You may already know about this. You can look for somatic therapists in your area and people who work with trauma and movement or something physical with the body. So if you have struggled with trauma throughout your life, especially if you're experiencing physical health conditions that could potentially be connected to this trauma, it is important for you to prioritize this and start looking into ways that you can let that go from your body as much as possible. 
As we near the end of this week's episode, I want to share with you a really powerful ritual that can help you with letting go. We're going to be calling in the powerful element of fire and the magic associated with fire for this ritual. And what you're going to need is a piece of paper, a pen, something to start a fire with, (laughs) and maybe, if you have it handy, a pine cone. What you're going to do is you're going to write down on the paper anything you want to let go of. Take as much time as you need to do this. You can pause the episode and come back. Once you've done this, rip those papers up into tiny pieces, each one saying one thing that you want to let go of. Roll those papers up, and if you do have a pine cone, stick them in between the different parts of the pine cone. If you don't have a pine cone because of where you live, or maybe it's still winter, or whatever the reason is, you can just burn the papers. Obviously, do this in a controlled condition. Make sure you're using fire-safe containers for this. Make sure that you are doing it outside if possible, so you're not stinking up your house or setting off your smoke detector. (laughs) And take it from someone who's done it. Pine cones burn crazy, way more than I realized. So if you are using the pine cone, definitely make sure you have a nice safe space that's contained that you can do this in. And as you burn through these papers or this pine cone, really envision that you are letting these things go. You are burning them away. They no longer serve you and you're burning them. You're letting them go and you're watching them turn to dust and turn to ash. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Next Talks. I'm Nex, I talked, I hope you liked it, and I really truly hope this helps you to let go of whatever is no longer serving you in your life. If you did enjoy this episode and found value from it, please consider supporting this channel and this podcast as this is what I do for a living and it helps me out so 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 much. I appreciate you and I look forward to seeing you on next week's episode but in the meantime if there's something else you'd like to hear me talk about or if you have anything to add to this conversation feel free to reach out to me anytime on social media.